to episode 14 of the TA playlist, the official game club of TrueAchievements.com. Throughout the month of May, the community have joined us in exploring Alice Madness Returns, the sequel to American McGee's dark and twisted reimagining of the Alice in Wonderland universe. I'm Sam, Gamertag Guitarist, and joining me on the journey down the rabbit hole is Mark, Gamertag, not Penny's Boat. Hi, Mark. Hello again. Alice Madness Returns won out during a fairly tight community poll. It was another second chance month where we put forward games that have been lost out on previous polls, and unfortunately Mad Max, Batman, Arkham Asylum and Mafia 3 all lost out again, despite all of them taking only a little less than a quarter of share of the vote, so pretty popular still, and who knows, maybe we'll do a third chance month sometime in the future. Well, I am, I should add, yeah, I am determined to get a batman game into my life in my own podcast at some point so we'll just keep cramming that in there until they finally vote for it (laughs) yeah and i must admit with mad max being it's been free on playstation and it's in the game pass like it just feels like it's the only way i'm ever going to get around to playing it (laughs) so uh, (laughs) so yeah it'd be good to do that one day but we'll see (laughs) um happily we've landed back in familiar territory after a few months of i guess negligible narrative content in the games we've chosen especially last month uh, with Mm -hmm. cfes but Alice certainly has a lot of story worth talking about. Um, it's It was released in 2011 on Xbox 360 and is now backwards compatible. And it also came out on PS3 and PC a full decade after the release of the original game, which was American McGee's Alice. Speaking of the original, that's that was actually released as paid DLC as part of this sequel and later became free DLC. Mark, did you try the original at all when you came into this sequel? Yeah, uh, try is the operative word. <laughs> uh, I tried twice, in fact, and on both occasions I could hardly get past the first level. Uh, although the second yeah. time I eventually did and the achievement popped, I was like, oh, if this is going to be quick, maybe it's not so bad. But uh, then I looked up how long it takes, which is apparently 11 to 12 hours, and I decided I, mm-hmm. I couldn't quite bear that length <laughs> uh, in that setting. I... I agree. the The early jagged polygon, like three D platformers from from that era. I imagine Tomb Raider is, is similarly problematic at this point. Uh, they, they, they're a really tough trip to make if you don't have that nostalgia, which I do not for this series. And never touched it until we played this month. Um, and it's probably it's probably even tough if you do have that nostalgia. Well, I think so. I mean, I, I mean, we won't go through all the feedback here because obviously it's not the game that we're here to talk about. But a lot of the uh, forum chat was actually around people debating whether or not the original game was worth going back to whether that's just sort of in general as a game but also as a as a way to kind of get the beginning of the story for playing Madness Returns um, and and yeah there's a lot of people split a lot of people liked it in the day and tried to go back to it and, and couldn't cope with it now um, a lot of people still love it but it just was it I really struggled with anything around sort of the late 90s to early 2000s 3D polygonal anything anything where it, it tries to uh, allow you to control the camera but before anyone really worked out how to do that properly yeah. i just and and flying enemies and on top of that as well like trying to wrench a, a early <laughs> 2000s camera around to see a, a really blurry enemy like flipping around the screen that, that <laughs> i couldn't cope um so unfortunately that one's just gone straight back in the box um and probably i'll never see the light of day again but <laughs> but to be honest it's you know 11 12 hours of content that's that's a pretty hefty bit of free dlc so i suppose we shouldn't complain too much so American McGee's Alice was released in 2000, but that's actually already a sequel in itself. It's an unofficial sequel to Lewis Carroll's original Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass stories. Mark, do you have any familiarity with the original stories or any of the many remakes and 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 uh, films that have come out since then? Uh, for, for Lewis Carroll, I, I, I recall reading some of his stuff in school at different 
different ages through over the years, but uh, Alice in Wonderland or the sequel book uh, Through the Looking Glass were never were never assigned. So I, I never ended up reading those ones specifically. I think we more so focused on some of his his bizarre poetry and things like that. Mm. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, like most people, I probably saw the Disney version. I don't really recall seeing it through start to finish, but it's so iconic at this point that I kind of, you know, when through playing Madness Returns, a lot of the characters and the moments and even some of the mechanics, like how you can shrink down by drinking that potion, those all play off like familiar moments from the story. I don't, I don't know if those are in the, the Carol original version. I, I think they are certainly from the Disney version, mm-hmm. though. Uh yeah, like like everyone, I think everyone's got at least some familiarity with Alice in Wonderland. You just kind of, it's just kind of in the air when you're on planet Earth. But uh, I don't, I don't have too much. Yeah, it's something you kind of just absorb like, as you grow yeah. up. I think, uh, and especially as you say with the Disney cartoon being sort of relatively recent, probably when we were both growing up, um, it kind of does the rounds on Sunday afternoon TV when you're not really watching it properly. Um, <laughs> yeah, and kind of all bleeds in. But I did watch the uh, Johnny Depp movie a few years ago um that was my first 3d movie and i i've uh, uh i have no good memories of that movie at all so, um, so I, I basically blocked that whole experience out so yeah so i'm coming into this fairly blind but as you say with with a reasonable familiarity with with a lot of the characters and as from what i've kind of read around the subject i know that the lewis carroll's work well as you say with his later poetry um there's always been a, a tendency to interpret alice with a slightly dark and sinister undertone not not necessarily as as dark as this game goes but even Mm. in those disney cartoons and and some of the stories that have come out since you know the the figure of the queen um and the mad hatter there's always been a slight sort of sinister edge to that and i guess american mcgee in in making these games kind of took that to a to a further conclusion by bringing a lot of tragedy into alice's life into into a later life and kind of really uh, drumming home the idea that that Wonderland sort of exists within Alice's psyche, which I don't think was ever explicitly said in any of the previous iterations mm-hmm. of the story, but that's clearly where he wanted it to go to to kind of try and make some uh, try and devise a plot around the idea of of someone living in a fantasy world to kind of escape from trauma. Um, so the way that American McGee sets that up is that he imagined that Alice's parents and sister died in a house fire leaving Alice with terrible burns and basically having some sort of mental breakdown. It's never explicitly said what kind of mental breakdown that is, but then this is the Victorian pe- period where there wasn't so many labels for, for every kind yeah. of uh, mental illness that you can have as you would these days. So obviously in that time, it would have left her in an asylum. So she ends up essentially catatonic, uh, languishing in a Victorian mental asylum for, for a decade. And the first Alice game, American McGee's Alice, sees her returning to Wonderland um, at the age of 18, and it's become a twisted and horrific place, and through the course of her quest to confront the Red Queen, Alice sort of starts to understand that she's in Wonderland again because of her own mental trauma from the fire, and it's warped Wonderland into a nightmare, and it's even suggested, when I've been reading around on, on kind of Wikia and things like that, that the Red Queen or the Queen of Hearts, which are kind of two separate characters originally in Lewis Carroll's work, but have been amalgamated into one for the purposes of American McGee's Alice. Those characters are an embodiment of Alice's madness and the cause of all of Wonderland's corruption. Um, But in the original game, after defeating the Queen, Alice wakes up in the asylum and is suddenly 
deemed fit and healthy and well enough to leave um so she's no longer incarcerated so madness returns picks up from there and sees alice working in an orphanage for dr bumby who acts as a psychiatrist and as well as the therapist for a whole bunch of other orphans in his care and we understand that Dr. Bumby's approach to her recovery is basically to try and get her to forget the fire completely. And very quickly during this process, Alice is sucked back into Wonderland and the Cheshire Cat asks tasks Alice with saving the land once again, as it appears to be under the grip of a new ruler. very upsetting journey, but I'm rid of Pris, or whatever she's become. At least the place I've landed is somewhat familiar. About time too, Alice. Lasted cat. Don't try to bully me. I'm very much on edge. Perfect. When you're not on edge, you're taking up too much space. You're no help at all. But you know I can be. I'll frighten myself. When necessary, thanks very much. I was hoping to escape from all that. Abandon that hope. A new law reigns in this wonderland, Alice. It's very rough justice all round. We're at risk here. You be on your guard. Uh, In particular, there's an infernal train racing through Wonderland, seemingly destroying everything it touches, and that follows you throughout the game. And during her adventures, Alice learns that the house fire was no accident and eventually discovers by the end that the her current employer, Dr. Bumby, and her psychiatrist, Dr. Bumby, killed her sister and set the house on fire to cover up his crime. Not only that, but Dr. Bumby has been brainwashing the orphans in his care and selling them into prostitution, which Alice has inadvertently been helping him achieve while she's been brainwashed. Uh, so Alice defeats a monstrous version of Dr. Bumby in Wonderland at the end of the game, uh, defeating him at the head of the infernal train that's been causing so much destruction. And in the real world, we see her push Dr. Bumby in front of an oncoming train. And then the game ends with Alice's two worlds colliding. So she steps out of the train station and Victorian London has kind of fused completely with Wonderland. And the game kind of just cuts off there, leaving Mm. it primed for a sequel that never turned Mm. up. Although we'll, we'll talk about that later on. So there's there's quite a lot to unpack there compared to a lot of uh, stories that we've covered recently. Um, yeah. I guess before before we get into the heavy stuff that, that naturally we'll have to talk about, I suppose an easy question to ask is, did you enjoy the story and did you enjoy particularly the way that that central mystery unfolded? Did you guess where it was going before the end or, or was, that, was it quite a surprise to see Dr. Bumby become this monstrous enemy? I, I felt the, the first scene was so heavy-handed that it was strange to me that they were kind of setting up for a reveal that I thought they had already given away in the opening scene with mm. the, the fact that Dr. Bumby and, and even you, know, you could kind of see his, his character design, like, like his, his, his actual look going either way. You could, you could kind of see that character being like a, a secretly sinister guy, or maybe, you know, maybe he could have been a, a compassionate hero by the end of it. Uh, so maybe just in hindsight, he kind of looks villainous because we know now that he's villainous. But in that opening scene, when he's talking about his his therapy being that she must forget her memories, it that was so heavy handed to me that I felt 
I, I guess I felt that it was strange if anyone didn't catch on, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that that doesn't uh, that doesn't sound so flattering, I guess. But like, did did you find it obvious too? Like right away, I was like, okay, well, this guy's the villain. Well, I mean, I guess I've I've consumed quite a lot of sort of dark Victoriana fiction in my time, and I guess I guess it kind of makes me think as soon as I go into any kind of story like this that i assume everyone is bad in their own way so i guess i knew that (laughs) he was probably manipulating her in some way that that he was probably going to end up using her for his own ends in some way particularly this kind of implication that he's a hypnotist uh, and that's how he kind of delivers his psychotherapy Mm -hmm. so you know that's always an alarm bell in any kind of b-movie plot uh, you know if someone's (laughs) watch out for the hypnotist but um but I don't think I, I I guess the surprise still for me was just how far they were going to take his evilness um, by the end of the game. You know, they, they really kind of laid it on quite thick. And uh, it's actually there's a comment in the, in the forums from Hawkeye Barry back when he was still on chapter two, where Alice gets punched by a pimp in this is while she's. Uh, in the real world not in wonderland but she gets punched by a pimp and uh, mm. the whorehouse that she'd run to had, has been set on fire and hawkeye just to paraphrase him is basically saying gosh this is getting quite dark i, I wonder how much darker it's going to get and i was just thinking having <laughs> finished the game by that point i was thinking Oof, you've got a long way to go because um, <laughs> this is going to go yeah. to some really dark places but um so i guess that the twist must have worked on him in the end because uh he doesn't seem to have, have felt like he's worked it all out at that point and still wondering where it's going. So uh, I don't feel so bad that I, I hadn't quite worked out that, that Bumby was going to be the ultimate bad guy. I, I guess as well, part of me, at this point, I didn't know the plot of uh, American McGee's Alice. I kind of assumed that the Red Queen was going to be the main enemy in this game. Um, yeah. But sort of in hindsight, if I'd known that they'd already kind of done that ruin in... American McGee's Alice I may have thought okay it's got to be someone else but um but yeah it kept him on my toes so I I can't really complain about that at all uh it was uh it was still a surprise all the way up to the end for me I will say despite the fact that I kind of saw that coming in the opening cutscene uh actually lost track of the story for a good while in the middle um for reasons that I I think are related to just the way this game tells its story which is a very old school sort of way where Mm. Uh, a lot of it comes well I, I guess the way that it tells a lot of story through collectibles that's that's something that games still do today which can still be uh annoying if if that's where we're getting the bulk of it but though also the way it partitions like here's the gameplay section now here's a cutscene to to drive the story much further now here's the gameplay where the story's going to stall completely again for a mm. while and in this case you know with these long chapters for for really a long while yeah uh and then yeah it's it sort of I think someone mentioned it in the forums, but it, it subverts a lot of your expectations with uh, what these characters will do. Like we said with the Red Queen, she she ended up not being the villain. Uh, she ended up actually helping you. Uh, same thing with the Mad Hatter. and So partly because of the way it tells its story in a, vid- in a very video gamey sort of way, uh, which I think is a detriment to the game, and, and partly just because it, uh, in a more beneficial way, it it screws with the the original Alice mythology so much uh, that I, I just like lost track of it in the middle for a while. Uh, and I was just kind of waiting for it to, to get back on the rails by the end. Because like the whole time, like I said, I kind of figured that Bumby was was going to be the villain there. Hmm. And I also, one, one thing that helped me actually enjoy the story, even as I lost track of it, was I, I likened it a lot to my favorite movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. Uh, 
in that movie, a, a guy, it's Jim Carrey, it's one of his few drama roles, he finds out his ex-girlfriend erases their relationship from his memory with a somewhat sci-fi procedure that exists in the stories universe. So he goes and does it too. Uh, she was always the impulsive one, though. He was always like the, the very timid, meek one that would like had a lot of self-doubt but he goes and acts impulsively for the fir- pretty much the first time in his life hoping to move on from her the way she did so easily from him and then the rest of the movie largely takes place in his subconscious where he's literally fighting to retain some memories of his relationship and of clementine uh before the procedure does its job but because he's realized he doesn't want to forget even if some of it was bad and it's a charlie kaufman and michelle gondry film so it's very weird and experimental at times and even when i lost track of Alice's story, knowing the central loop was her fighting for her memories that way, I likened it to that, and it, it, it kind of kept me, kind of kept me motivated to see it through to the end, just because I was like, oh, hey, this is kind of familiar in a fun way for me. <laughs> yeah, and and I think games are, uh, it, it's possibly something that hasn't been too much explored, or at least not in games that I've played, but games are kind of in a unique place to try and explore the idea of going back through your memories or trying to escape your memories because because you can inhabit such a weird physical space i mean that's why one of my favorite games psychonauts was was so appealing back in the day because that that game is about you literally opening a door into people's heads and sorting out their mental baggage so the levels Hmm. would be you know gravity wouldn't make any sense and uh you would be dealing with all sorts of weird manifestations of their psyches and and i definitely got a flat reflection of that as well while i was playing playing alice and uh, unfortunately i don't think psychonauts has held up uh graphically and gameplay wise as much as this game um although it did come out a few years before but um but it was nice to kind of be in that similar environment where anything was kind of possible obviously limitations of the of the of the engine and stuff but but the actual makeup of the level didn't have to make any sense to anyone because it's wonderland so it's you know it's it's crazy and it's it could be anything and i think for a lot of the story um i guess i guess that where the story doesn't deliver very well i think the intention may have been that this is supposed to be dreamlike and confusing and patchy because you're inhabiting the character and the character is is struggling to to make sense of of what's going on with them but i think that what ultimately happens sometimes is that the story elements just feel a bit rushed you just like you say you you go through a level that might take an hour or more to to traverse and then you get this little sting of (laughs) five ten minutes of information that doesn't make an entire entirely much sense and then you're back in another level and you've got to wait until the end of that (laughs) one to get the next bit and i think those two things combined they're both uh kind of okay ways to tell a story in theory at least back then but combining the confusing nature of the story and the fact that it's so piecemeal in the way it's delivered ultimately just made it a little bit um i don't know it felt a bit weak to me it felt a little bit uh i was working too hard to get too little i guess uh, a lot of the time but it was you know as as video game narratives go you know it's certainly going to new places and and exploring difficult themes so that's always something to be kind of applauded, even if even if I think that there's certainly been games since then that have, that have tackled such kind of similar themes and a little bit more depth and a little bit more nuance. But we'll we'll get onto that in a moment. But hmm. I suppose uh, one question is: Do you feel like you were missing out on too much not having extensive knowledge of the previous game or or any of Lewis Carroll's work specifically on on Alice in Wonderland? I I felt like the game was probably expecting you to not necessarily know anything and, and kind of 
I think it did enough. I think that there were so many flashbacks to the fire um, embedded in each level that I think it did enough to cover most of what went on in the first game that I didn't feel too lost. Although, having said that, I just said that the game, the, the story seemed really confusing. <laughs> so maybe if I played the played the first game first, it wouldn't have been quite so much. But I dare say it. You know, as I said, the whole thing's supposed to be a little bit confusing and patchy anyway. So mm-hmm. it seemed designed to. Uh, allow both players that have played the previous game and and new players to kind of jump in on this one. I don't know how you you felt about that. Yeah, they they probably understood that with a sequel arriving so much later that they're going to have to do a a, a generous previously on section uh, as as they sort of do throughout the the early hours of this one. Uh, I I didn't feel especially lost because of the fact that I hadn't played the first one. You know, like I said, I, I think I got lost for other reasons. Uh, yeah. But I I am the type that likes to play sto- like these story continuations uh, in the correct order. So when mm. when I really couldn't push through the first game, and, and I, like I said, I did try twice, uh, but just I couldn't give an additional 12 hours, which is basically as long as the second game. The, the second game yeah. averages out to about 14, according to, to a source that I use. Uh, so for the first one to be 12, I just, I just couldn't imagine doing that for 12 hours. So... I wasn't especially lost, but it, yeah, it definitely, uh, I, w- I would have preferred if I, if I could have got through it, but I just, I, I just really couldn't. And then as for Lewis Carroll's work, uh, like I said, I think we, I think the game uses enough of like the, the touchstones and kind of harkens back to, to that enough that you kind of get it. You don't really need to know everything from the Lewis Carroll story. And, and I think both compared to Lewis Carroll's original vision and the, tim burton vision which like tim burton doing alice you know i agree it wasn't very good but it always kind of seemed like a like a inevitability you know given Mm -hmm. given his sensibilities for like aesthetics and storytelling and things like that uh but you don't what 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 i liked about madness returns is that it's it does do its own thing and it stands on its own and it's and it's much much darker than than either of those you know people like i think you said before carol his writings always had some sense of darkness to them, like underlying darkness. Tim Burton's was more surface level. Like he, he he wanted that to be more uh, clearer, but it was still always like a Disney dark for me. And Mm -hmm. I think the, the Alice in Wonderland that he did was even, was even uh, distributed by Disney and and developed by Disney. So yeah, uh, it was, yeah. But even like all of his work and it's, it's kind of like a fake dark, like a family friendly dark for me. Whereas this game, Mm. (laughs) <laughs> like you said, the story details, it really goes there. And so much so that, well, we can talk about it later. I, I, I'm going to bring it up if we, uh, if we get back to Dr. Bumby later, but yeah, it, 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 yeah, it almost does maybe too much, but yeah, we can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's probably worth in terms of characters talking about Alice first. I, I in the way that she's portrayed in the game, I, I actually find her to be a weak point uh, in terms of her dialogue and her voice acting. It's, she's she's oddly wooden and unreactive she really reminds me of a lot of um early 2000s protagonists actually it sounds like someone reading lines in a room and that's really not what you want to kind of get that immersion and mm-hmm. i get that you know she's supposed to be uh detached kind of mentally from things going on around her so she's not necessarily being as emotive as you might expect someone to be in those situations but Coming off of, I've recently just played Ninja Theory's Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice and kind of going from such a a game built around a 
hugely strong central performance, you know, BAFTA winning performance uh, of a young woman going through severe mental difficulties in, in a kind of a similar ordeal in a way, not really knowing what's real and what's not um, and trying to kind of perform this quest that might be fantasy or might be, might be reality. It just felt so strange to then go into Alice and just to have her kind of floating through all these really horrendous realizations about herself and never really getting more than slightly annoyed about it. It seemed to me just in terms of her tone anyway, if not necessarily that what she was saying, um, I don't know. It just it it bothered me all the way up to the end. It it kind of took me out of the the emotional impact of it because I was not believing that that performance. I guess I, I don't know if that came up for you at all while you were playing. Yeah, I, I'd agree about her voice acting for sure. In uh, the game's age, in terms of what it could do with its animations, it, for me that that actually hinders things as well. I I've found that I'm always I've always been someone who needs the characters to sell the emotions they're supposedly feeling which is why for me like games have only been getting better as time goes on i Mm. i'm not i'm not much of a retro gamer when people talk about how great the stories were in final fantasy and chrono trigger and i don't know it's 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 got to be my own fault and 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 a detriment to my own potential enjoyment of games like those (laughs) because like I, i should be able to like imbue those characters with my own emotionality but i I don't know. I just much greatly prefer when they emote well. That's actually why I'm such a big fan of Naughty Dog games because I feel like, in terms of facial animations, like few do it better than them. And so I always, I always feel much closer to characters that can emote well. And you know, this this game's now it's like seven years old, so I understand it wasn't uh, totally doable then. But then also, if you if you think about what what else came out in 2011 or even before it, I, th- I think plenty of games that preceded this one did you know characterization voice acting and animations much better and this to my knowledge this isn't exactly an indie game right i mean this was i know it was a new studio but uh it was published by ea they i feel like maybe it could have had uh (laughs) some some better work in those areas there just but like i said that's that's partly my own problem that i that i have to deal with in video games but yeah i mean to be honest it was it wasn't the best 2011 wasn't the best time for ea i don't know if there's ever a best time for ea but it wasn't it wasn't one of their kind of strong eras i guess in terms of um in terms of how much commitment i think they necessarily put into some of their titles when they were kind of taking a gamble on stuff i think this probably was a, a kind of hands-off bankrolling kind of thing. Um, and I imagine, as we've mentioned on previous podcasts, uh, there was probably some pressure to get things out of the door and things like that. So mm. um, who knows, really? But but ultimately, I, there's quite a lot of games that I've played that are much older than this um, and from around that time that, that I felt like the performances were just a lot stronger and, and kind of... I don't know. I think it's probably partly mainly because it's trying to deal with something so heavy that I think that games are only really starting to to kind of bring some of those thoughts into the mainstream now. You know, if you look at stuff like Hellblade, look at something like Life is Strange, you know, it's it's they're only really becoming mainstream ideas now to, to talk about some of these sort of more difficult issues mm-hmm. um, for a game to have kind of tackled that all the way back then when so much other jank was still around in terms of uh, audio quality in terms of voice acting <laughs> in terms of um, uh, voice direction and script writing and things like that it, it just it feels very jarring to try and sort of take take such a serious issue seriously while while, while the character just doesn't seem to uh, it, well is betrayed by someone who doesn't seem 
particularly bothered about the things that she's saying. I, I guess it, it kind of threw me <laughs> off a bit. But um, I, I suppose to, to talk in more detail about the the portrayal of mental illness, it's, as I said, it's always been a tricky one for video games to navigate. Because on the one hand, if you, it always seemed like a potentially a fantastic way to talk about mental illness because you can put yourself in the shoes of a sufferer and it forces the player to try and exist within a broken reality. Um, but on the other hand, it's always it always ends up being a device through which to tell normally an adventure plot, you know, or or maybe a horror plot, and and often drawing on fantastical situations within that. And certainly from people I've spoken to who who've, uh, know or know people who have suffered from or suffer themselves from schizophrenia or, or severe mental illnesses, that's not really indicative of what day to day life is like. And and it's perhaps sometimes a little bit uh, frustrating to hear that, you know, people championing these games is talking about mental illness when, when, you know, someone who suffers from that kind of thing or knows about that kind of thing would say, well, really it's just a plot device to get, to get uh, an adventure game going. You know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily as uh, in depth and respectful as, as people might kind of think it is from coming at it as a relative novice to the whole subject. Um, and I definitely think that I, in Hellblade, I, I didn't get that as much. Um, and maybe another month we'll talk about Hellblade, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but in, in Alice, I, I really felt that, I guess, as I said, partly because of the, the voice acting and some of the other janky things that happened back in sort of early 2000s, mid, mid, uh, early 2010s game design, it really felt like a lot of the mental illness issues that the game tried to cover were just a vehicle to drive through the game i mean literally it was a it was a train to drive through the whole of wonderland <laughs> to kind of give some kind of impetus to the story um and it just seemed like a sometimes it felt i felt a bit cynical about it and felt like this is just a way for someone to take some an, an existing property like alice in wonderland and go i just want to twist this all around and make it really creepy and maybe didn't feel that respectful towards the the actual experience of mental illness i don't know i'm still undecided on how i feel about that it's something i've been sort of mulling over over uh, since since i finished the game i don't, I don't know if, if you had any feelings towards that that side of things mark yeah i it's i agree it's not at all realistic and and i think that's intentional and i think it's comfortable in in that aspect of itself it's it's really it's, it's a fantasy game about a fantasy world and any links to real life mental illness or her you know sort of post-traumatic stress it's really just there to make the setting seem at home and i agree i think games have come a long way even since 2011 in depicting these things and becoming more socially activated in that way and, and i really love that about games but at the same time i was thinking to myself pretty much throughout the course of this game i, I wonder if this game if it came out today for the first time I wonder if Alice's mental trauma would have a more informed depiction. And the conclusion I came to was, no, no, it wouldn't. And it it really can't, I guess, because despite the fact that games have become more aware and more respectful of these topics, Madness Returns story to me demands this sort of fantastical approach, you know, to have her jumping around on giant mushrooms and talking to the characters from the original story. I mean, maybe that's someone's experience with mental illness, but you know, that's certainly not what Lewis Carroll was going for. And to the extent that this mm. game is pulling from Lewis Carroll, you, you kind of have to abandon like the respectful depiction of, of, mm-hmm. of like actual mental illness. You know, I, I, I 
can't see anything that would allow the creators to both tell a lifelike story of mental illness and tell an Alice in Wonderland reimagining. So I think they just yeah, yeah. they just grew comfortable with the fact that it wasn't going to be accurate. And especially in 2001, like, you know, that this is like, well, I guess Twitter was out then, but we weren't in the, the Twitter sphere as we are now where everything becomes a hot take. Yeah. So uh, it. It, it it's it was fine to do that you know it, it survived <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe today it would have taken more of a hit for that but I, I think even then people understand that alice is is fantasy with like some allusions to mental illness but no one's meant to to look at it seriously the way like ninja theory does with hellblade yeah and and i suppose in a way it's almost it, it's an interpretation of mental illness in a victorian lens as well because this at that time is is really how people thought mental illness worked and true yeah you know it was you know if 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 someone was was taken mentally ill it meant that they were off in the fantasy land literally you know they were they and so i suppose as you said if if they're going down the route of trying to convert alice in wonderland into this darker story and they're they're putting the character in a victorian or a faux victorian uh, mental assignment then it kind of makes sense that the logical conclusion of that is that her experience of mental illness will be very much of that uh victoriana kind of sensibility that you know it will be she's she's jumping around on big mushrooms and she's you know having a whale of time and she's <laughs> talking to anthropomorphic animals and and all sorts so yeah i mean that that's something i've been grappling with but i, th- I think ultimately i agree with you it's e- even if it came out today and, and even if the sequel inevitably turns up um at some point i think it it will still skirt around the kind of respectful interpretation of mental illness by by the fact that it is kind of concentrating on the Alice in Wonderland interpretation and, and that kind of gives it, a, I guess, a little bit of a pass. But it would be really interesting to see what happens, to be honest, if, 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 a, if a sequel does turn up and whether people are less comfortable with that now than, than perhaps they were then. But, hmm. but um, I think before we move on to dr bumby in particular i just i just wanted to check in with whether there were really any other characters that stood out to you uh apart from alice and bumby because i didn't really care much about anyone they they, they were just they just came and went far too quickly you spend a lot of as i suppose as we were saying with the story um earlier you spend a lot of the individual levels kind of just platforming defeating enemies and working out puzzles and you kind of meet characters very briefly often at the end of the 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 level and then they're just gone you know you don't you don't really come back to that character too much so so i didn't really feel like i connected with any of the side characters i mean the only character that really stays with you throughout is the cheshire cat and he is as is his nature very uh aloof and mysterious and and so you don't really connect with him either so that yeah i, I guess i didn't really I, I don't really have any strong memories of any of them i don't know if any other characters stood out to you at all yeah not not anyone in particular but like i said uh I did enjoy how they were constantly upending what I thought I knew about these characters previously. You know, like I, I came into this game expecting certain mm-hmm. villains. Like I, I, I thought the Mad Hatter would be a villain. And right away in like the first or second chapter, you're just, you're actually helping him. You know, you're actually uh, on his side, I guess. And then, you know, they do it again later with the Red Queen, with it being like your little sister by the end of it. And, uh, she she kind of helps you recover some of your memories, and yeah, that it it repeatedly does that. So I didn't feel any special connection to any one character like that or, or any you know group of them. But I just I enjoyed the sensation of meeting a a character with whom I'm 
somewhat familiar, you know, because I, I didn't mention it before, but actually even Batman does things with Alice in Wonderland. The Mad Hatter is one of the villains in Batman, and oftentimes Batman will, will end up in, in some drug-induced version of Wonderland in, in those stories as well. And uh, so I, I know these characters to some extent, you know, from from very different properties. But And then this one would, would go and not really not really again depict any of those previous versions of them it would always be like a new version of them each time and i I did find that enjoyable yeah i think that's fair enough i think um i guess part of me wanted some a a little bit more connectivity it's probably because i was already suffering with this this whole issue i had where i wasn't connected to alice at all and she was the only seemed to be the only consistent character that i was spending any time with so I, i guess some part of me wanted wanted to learn a bit more about some of those other characters but you know if they're they're two-dimensional characters from a from a a children's book from you know 100 years ago and they are just being twisted for the purpose of a video a platforming video game maybe i'm asking too much i mean i suppose if you think to video game platformers from from the early 2000s you know there's not many characters that really stay with you for that long or you really emotionally connect to in you know properties like mm-hmm. and no jack and daxter or things like that you know they don't that's that's not really what they they're for and i guess the reason why alice madness returns feels so strange is because it is a platformer so on the one hand you're not expecting all of those kind of strong narrative connections and strong character connections but on the other hand it's dealing with so much weird and dark stuff that you kind of i i know i almost felt like i needed a bit more uh connectivity to it you know um between all of this kind of fun throwaway jumping around in a interesting environment you corrupted my memories but you failed to make me forget i could have made you into a tasty bit clients out the door waiting for a piece from a raving delusional beauty with no memory of the past or no sense of the future but you wouldn't forget you insisted on holding on to your fantasies you're mad like your sister don't speak of her you didn't know her your sister was a tease pretended to despise me she ain't got what she wanted in the end i suppose it's, it's probably a good time to talk about dr bumby himself one of the most horrendous video game antagonists i think i've ever come across <laughs> he's he is yeah. uh, extremely nasty piece of work. i mean especially in a platform he's got to be the worst villain in a platformer that i've ever come across i think i mean yeah because so many platformers are are much lighter than this you know so like they they could have taken any one attribute of his evil doing and it would have been enough but (laughs) they just keep piling it on yeah you know i mean like like dr robotnik or dr eggman whatever you want to call him in in sonic you know he did the slavery thing he enslaved a bunch of furry animals but he didn't sell them into prostitution or try and brainwash people um you know it's just there's there's so much going on i mean to list it off he he the implications are that he raped alice's sister killed her burned the house down killing alice's parents and and presumably trying to kill alice as well and then spent at least 10 years in the meantime running an orphanage where he was brainwashing very small children into sex slavery (laughs) and then we learned that he got hold of Alice as soon as she got out of the mental asylum and tried to make her block out the entire fire so that he can not be implicated as 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 the murderer. 
and also is trying to get her to turn into a sex slave and to get her to help him turn loads of little kids into sex slaves. I mean, this is like, you would not think that I'm describing a video game, let alone a let alone a game that's mainly about, you know, jumping on, on as we keep saying, jumping on big mushrooms <laughs> and floating around and uh, shrinking into little keyholes. It's, it's, he is horrendous. And I think, too horrendous yeah. in the end I, I by the end of the game i was exhausted by by <laughs> the implications of everything that he'd done and and you know wasn't sad to see him get pushed in front of a train <laughs> to be honest by the end of it so you know it's it, it's it was bizarre and and don't get me wrong very engaging and and you know fascinating to watch something so crazy and unfold but by the end of it i did think maybe it went a little bit too far i don't know if you agree oh yeah for sure it's it's like the writers would assign him some horrible attribute and then say nah that, that's not enough yet how about he didn't just burn down a family's house with them yeah. inside but he also brainwashed the surviving woman into forgetting about it and actually yeah he didn't just do that he also sold child slaves and and yeah he didn't just sell child slaves but the woman he brainwashed she's helping him do it and he wants her to be a slave as well and it's it's like they were worried he wouldn't be evil enough or you know or the game wouldn't be dark enough because yeah. it, it you know it's in every other aspect it really wants to get really dark as well but by the end of it he mm. he definitely clears that bar he's he's it's dark enough he's evil enough but it's to an extent that seems unnecessary, really. If, if he had done only any one of the mm. things he did, he would have been an adequate villain, I felt. Like, <laughs> you know, if you, if you just killed her sister or if you just burned the house down, like any any one aspect of it, he's already someone that you can you can feel strong opposition to. Or they just kept piling it on. It's like, and especially because maybe I missed it, but I felt like we never really get a grasp on why he's this way do did i miss that in collectibles and or no so he's just he's just a really i mean as, person. as far as i know he's i mean i think i got most of dr bumby's collectibles and as far as i'm aware he is yeah he's just evil he's just <laughs> the devil basically and it's never really explained and and to be honest it's something that i've seen in a few a few times over the years uh particularly like uh david cage's games quantum mm-hmm. dream games that they're <sighs> They have noble intentions to to put a really good bad guy in by tackling some some dark issues, but it just gets overegged so much, and and they become such a caricature that it kind of they become so horrendous that it takes some of the steam out of that feeling of of horror that you're supposed to get because you're like, okay, this is just this is just horrible now, but in an almost almost comical way. I think that's that's the problem. Is it almost, <laughs> for me at least, it, it kind of goes over into comedy because I'm like, what else are they going to throw at us at this point? You know, it, it, and and that takes away a lot of the um a lot of the impact, I guess. By the end, yeah, he it's the whole game. It, it it's almost just thinking about it now. It's it's almost as though in in some ways it was the game was born too late. Like with it being a 3D platformer, you know, those are coming back. In, in some respect nowadays but there was there was a long gap where they kind of disappeared i feel like in 2011 there there were next to none uh unless i'm misremembering but and then w- yeah with with villains just committing just countless acts of villainy that that's a very old school gaming sort of way of doing things like nowadays we we care about our villains having motives and and even being conflicted and some sometimes you can even see things their way through a certain light that there's there's no 
<laughs> nobody on earth should be seeing things Bumby's way, uh, you know, primarily because everything he does is indefensible. But then secondly, because we don't even know where he's coming from. And in that way, as well with the gameplay, like we'll get onto it, it sometimes it feels like a very, it, you know, it's from 2011, but it feels like a game older than that even. And, but then of course it gets so dark that I, I don't think games would have gotten that dark <laughs> bef- uh, much earlier either. But hmm. so it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but in, in a lot of ways, I think this game was like born later than than you would have maybe thought yeah. if, if we didn't have that information available. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and obviously with that with that ending um, to the game as well, we have we see Alice kick uh, or push Doctor Bumby in front of a train, which is obviously it's uh, fitting because she's just defeated him on the infernal train in Wonderland, so it's kind of all kind of coming full circle and and you get the impression that it's supposed to be saying that her her wonderland persona has been resolved giving her the ability to confront bombie in real life and and kill him it seems um and then when she turns away from the train station london has become uh, some people in the forums been calling it Lunderland. i don't know if that's the the official name of it uh in, <laughs> in american geese that's cool it, it probably is because he's got this whole roadmap <laughs> that we'll talk about later but um but interestingly, uh, a couple of people in the forums uh, talked about whether whether she actually killed Doctor Bumby at the end. Which, which to be honest, when I finished the game, I just assumed yes, she killed Doctor Bumby, and Me then too, she yeah. thought she was better. But then, then her kind of psyche was breaking down again. Uh, in a, and she still wasn't quite. She still hadn't quite separated London from Wonderland, and that was that was what was going on at the end. So Phantom Morgana in the forum said, what I wonder though is, and you may give me your take on that, is when in the end Alice confronts the doctor at the train station, he says something to the likes of who will they believe, a mentally ill girl or a respected doctor and scientist. Alice turns around and kicks him onto the train tracks. However, when she does that, she's in the Wonderland outfit. Do you guys think that she took revenge in real life or did she, when she realised he's right about what he said, just snap and only imagine the revenge? I also found the following monologue by Cheshire Cat to be important. He says something to the like of the Wonderland being safe now. If Alice took revenge, the Wonderland would be safe because the evil threat is gone. But on the other hand, it could mean that Alice is finally snapped for good and won't be returning to the real world again because she's comatose. And he said, he finishes by saying there's a lot to interpret in this game. and It's pretty heavy stuff. This is why I wanted it to be on, to, on the playlist, which which is true. Um, but it, yeah, that's an interesting interpretation. It's not really something that I, I saw immediately, but but could be i mean um just to to expand on that a little bit algorithm uh our faithful follower through most of uh most <laughs> of today playlists he as always knows a lot about the the larger universe and industry around these games and uh america mcgee apparently originally had a third game planned where um one year after madness returns alice is is basically a mistress of both psyche and physical and uses his mastery to address social issues in victorian london now that sounds to me more like perhaps how you and me saw the ending mark that that mm-hmm. that wasn't a kind of fake out ending that was you know she she did kill bumby and now wonderland has almost invaded london and uh and she has some level of mastery over both um and and perhaps like as as things tend to be with with kind of three part uh, movie arcs that you know it might be the triumphant one where she starts to be able to 
kind of take control of her powers and her destiny and and fight for something larger so uh i guess that's how i ended up seeing it as well i don't know i don't know how you saw it yeah i didn't there was no doubt in my mind that that was happening that that she was actually pushing him and and as to lunderland and and that that weird blending that felt appropriate to set up whatever the sequel would have been i i really didn't consider that what we were seeing wasn't uh, entirely truthful until i had read those those comments there but hearing them and read the way the way they're written it it actually kind of makes sense uh Mm. I, i could see the game going that way although i think at this point it's I know we're getting onto it later. It's 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 actually not even going to be a sequel. Maybe now it's a prequel or something. So so who who knows if we'll even get closure to to what that was. But it would be pretty cool because I thought the game it sold it pretty straight to me at least that it was just going to be that 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 all was as it appeared to be. So if mm. if they came back and 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 again subverted expectations in that way, that it would feel appropriate for for this story universe to screw with us uh, in a big way like that. If, yeah. if we ever did get a, a continuation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe we will, but we'll, we'll talk about that later on. It's uh, <laughs> quite a lot of, quite a lot of information out there about potential sequels and stuff. So, so we'll, we'll try and summarize some of that later on. So it's probably a good time to move on as we normally do to uh, the other aspects of the game beyond the story so we'll we'll cover some of the the visual aspects the sound and and the gameplay one thing that really stood out to me in this game was the visual design for good and bad reasons to be honest i at times i thought the visual design was really horrible terrible and not not just in a you know this is supposed to be dark and disturbing kind of way i just thought it was just really not very well designed in some places but at other times i thought it was surprisingly stunning considering the age that 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 we're that, that we've moved to you know from when it first came out so you know this is a seven-year-old game and there were times that i was quite struck by the beauty of it so it was a, a real mixed bag for me i mean the the initial area um when you first land in wonderland uh, the underwater realm and the kind of oriental themed lands were all really striking to me but then hatter's domain and the kind of interior of the queen's castle when you're exploring there and the, and the final kind of um dollmaker's domain uh, when you're kind of walking through different doll houses they they all just felt really murky and small and indistinct and difficult to navigate and and just kind of headache inducing to me I, I, maybe i was <laughs> playing it too late at night but but um, <laughs> but it just it, it seemed like every time the game wanted to get dark and disturbing which is it's basically a, a big part of what this game wants to be 
it kind of just went really brown and smudgy instead and i, I that's probably a, a hugely a, a 2011 issue um i can think of a number of games from around sort of 2008 onwards uh up until uh, the, yeah. the new generation where if you wanted to get dark you were going brown and that was that was yeah, how you brown went. gray um, yeah yeah exactly so <laughs> i think the only time the pattern that pattern broke for me uh was when you got to the very center of the queen's domain when you were kind of about to confront the queen herself and you got this really lurid and disturbing red squishy overgrowth that looked like you were actually walking through the center of a heart that bit I thought was really well done, but that I guess really highlighted to me how much of the dark elements of the game before that point had disappointed me was that, you know, that this one part really stood out to me. So yeah, I guess, I guess that was slightly disappointing, but as I said, at the same time, there was so much, there were so many times when I was genuinely struck by, by how good it looked as well. So yeah, a real mixed bag for me. I, I don't know how you felt about it, Mark. Yeah. My, my favorite area was strangely enough, as much as I love this game, like I said, upending a lot of what I expected or thought I knew about Wonderland. My my favorite area was actually the very first one, which is really the most traditional Alice setting with those aforementioned oversized mm. colorful mushrooms. And uh, But I, I think I generally appreciate every new area the game went to. I, I can totally see what you mean with, with some of the darker areas just being kind of uh, cliche and boring, I guess. But... Uh, for, for, like I, I could see it that way. I, I can, I can appreciate that you see it that way. I, I'm, I'm saying that I didn't really see it that way though, because it, it was changing venue so much, so to speak, that I, I really appreciated always mm. seeing like where she would end up next. And you know, early on, I kind of had a gap in my playthrough of this game where I, I'd played for a couple hours, and so I'd seen some of the early stuff, some of the the modern day London stuff, and then I'd seen the first few minutes of the underwater levels and i thought wow this game it's it's really staying varied and i was really appreciating that and as the game went on over the course of a dozen or so hours uh it was always exciting for me to to see where she went next and even if you know i I could i could put them in some hierarchy i could i could rank them favorite to least but even my least favorite area she went to i I always appreciated the the change of setting and that was really cool like the house of the bridge with the house of cards and uh, mm. probably the most cliche one of all for me is the dollhouse you know it cre- creepy dollhouses is like a thing in horror and uh it's a thing yeah. it's a thing i've seen too much of and a lot of the enemy designs like the big the big babies with like the broken scissors or whatever uh i could have done without that stuff uh, yeah. but even then like the the dollhouse was really colorful and they would mess with the i guess the dimensions of it or so or something you know you'd you'd, you'd bounce off something mm. and you'd activate a lever and then the the world would flip and suddenly you're on its side but it still worked because now there were there were new mechanics to use there and uh so yeah I, I generally appreciated every area although like like you said uh and like i said like certainly some were better than others but it was it was always fun for me to to find where find out where she was going next yeah and i think that's a fair point you just made about the dollhouse as well is that as much as i i didn't personally enjoy the visual aesthetic of of that area sort of the actual physicality of the area again reminded me of games like psychonauts where it's it's subverting your expectations of how the physics is going to work you know it's 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 changing the layout it's changing the floors to ceilings it's you know i, I guess it's calling on on things like uh portal as well you know that that 
sense that oh okay this is actually how this this level's going to unfold because now i've activated this and and, and everything's kind of switched around so that's something i i have always appreciated and and i guess up to that point there weren't that many platformers possibly that were doing too much in that space i mean i suppose i suppose a lot of mario games um they're kind of well known for trying to kind of subvert your expectations certainly the later 3d mario games have have, have kind of played a lot with with physics and stuff but certainly thinking back to sort of the more the playstation platformers of my childhood you know they normally were quite straightforward in the way that you actually physically interacted with them so so it's nice to see alice kind of toying with with the way that the level unfolds in in that way so so yeah that's that's definitely a fair point actually it's it's a it never stopped being interesting to traverse, even if it wasn't always nice to look at for me, I guess is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. in terms of uh, character design, and again, maybe mostly focusing on Alice for now, I thought it was pretty good, actually. I, th- I feel like someone in that team at Spicy Horse, the developer, really wanted to get into the fine detail on Alice herself and and make sure that she always looked very striking and and... and in tune with her various environments um particularly the fact that every time you entered a new area in wonderland her dress changed and it was always a very ornate and and well thought out dress that actually kind of moved with the environment in in the right way or or reflected the environment that she was in whether it was the uh oriental uh kimono dress in 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 the oriental level or the kind of very victorian jellyfish kind of costume that she had in the underwater yeah. level, it was always <laughs> very theatrical and very uh, kind of in keeping. And, and and honestly, I I it got to the point where towards the end of the game, where I I was looking forward to finding out how Alice would transform to her environment because it was one of my favourite kind of costume changes that was going on in the game. I guess um, so so that was that was really fun. And um, I I think this is something you wanted to bring up as well, Mark. But but her her hair. <laughs> as well I, I don't know if you want to take, <laughs> yeah. take that one uh but it's 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 crazy how good it looks for a for a game in 2011 yeah and, and just to speak on the wardrobe too uh well, well the wardrobe and the hair really i i came into this episode mm. not not you know i didn't know how much you cared about those things but I, I found myself really impressed with the way they did those things and uh but from from the first moments on and I, I guess I expected her to be in her classic blue and white dress the whole time, but so when she keeps changing them level to level and, and world to world, uh, I thought that was a nice surprise. And, and and yeah, I was I guess I just I thought, well, wow, these are these are really cool. Like they get a lot of little things right with this game, and and then I realized like maybe they're actually not little things. You know, it's probably demeaning to the mm-hmm. it was it was someone's job to to make those dresses and to and to get her hair just right and they probably took a lot of pride in that. But but also, uh, you know, secondly to that uh just like with with the world's always changing, it really helped me appreciate the progression. Uh I think like you said too, not not knowing what was next for for Alice just as just as I didn't know what was next for the worlds that she would be visiting and um and yeah, as for her hair for some reason, games so often struggle with hair, especially I play a lot of sports games and 
it's not as big of a problem anymore in 2018, like across all games. I think in sports games, it's still often a problem. If you, uh, not that I think you would, but if you ever played any of the WWE games, the hair in those games is just so hilariously bad a lot of the times. <laughs> uh, maybe it's gotten better recently. I think the last one I played was the one that was given free two or three years ago. Yeah, I haven't played a WWE game since it was wwe uh, last one i played was a wwf game so it's been oh, okay <laughs> okay yeah. yeah so it's going on like 20 years probably but, uh... <laughs> but yeah i mean it's it's just funny to me to look at this game which again is from 2011 and so i have to assume it was much better than all of the games with regard to the hair physics which mm. like i said you could you could call it something little but I think for this game, it actually really works because they make they make the world really windy all the time. Like no matter which mm-hmm. world you're in, well, I guess I guess when you're under the ocean, it's just the water moving it around. But otherwise, like her hair is always blowing. If you stand still, it's always blowing some some way. And it was if you spun the camera around to look at her with her hair covering her face, uh, sometimes almost completely. It was almost like uh, like the Grudge or something. You know, it was kind of kind of creepy and unsettling with her just standing there in her dress and her somewhat unrealistic dimensions you know like the the her frame is, is very like cartoonish in that mm-hmm. way like a, like a lot of the world is just uh slightly askew from from reality and it was just really creepy but but yeah just the simple physics of it was i was like why is this the best hair in the history of video games basically <laughs> like and it's seven years old and and you know i mean even Geralt in the witcher 3 his his hair was like constantly moving through mm-hmm. my character's armor and everything and like yeah, I mean, but somehow Alice nails it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even while I've just been playing God of War, you know, talking really recent, and you know, using the lovely photo mode and and kind of zooming in on the photo I've just taken and realizing that Kratos's beard is cutting through his armor, uh, and yeah. <laughs> just thinking, damn, Alice did better than this. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's interesting. I think I, I wonder whether part of it was, I know that a lot of well, i guess i'm thinking of even older platformers than the madness returns but i know that there were challenges in trying to convey things like wind and currents and movement and i wonder whether someone had the ingenious idea of going okay well if we make the character's hair move in the right way and her dress move in the right way then we almost don't have to animate any wind or any currents because hmm. you're focusing on the character in front of you and that's telling you it's informing you that there is a wind here or there is a there is a, a current here and, and almost sort of by being really clever with her physics you're avoiding having to do quite as much work in environmental physics which is still something mm. that people struggle with now you know trying to animate snow properly or animate uh winds and waves properly um maybe it was an economical decision in a way to to just kind of make it let's let's get everyone focusing right in on the character so to almost kind of take their attention away from from maybe some of the the less detailed work going on in the environment because certainly thinking back on it now a lot of my appreciation for the art style comes down to to character detail whether it's whether it's alice or or some of the other characters as well rather than you know big sweeping environments because there weren't any huge sweeping environments it was it was always in a very sort of tight skybox and a tight uh uh level design that kind of built up on itself so that it didn't have to spread out too far and and a lot of classic tricks that the games used back then um but i wasn't really thinking about any of that at the time because uh because Alice herself was so impressive. So, so I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm giving someone too much credit there, but maybe there was a cleverness around, you know, <laughs> let's draw everyone's attention in on Alice to, to uh, avoid any undue attention on, on maybe some of the 
recycled assets or, or blurry textures on, on stuff going on in the environment. Um, I'd have to play again and see whether that was really going on, but I feel like that would be mean to do at this point. But um, <laughs> but yeah, just to to draw on the comments on 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 Alice's hair in particular from from the forums, uh, Sultry Penguin uh, originally said, "Am I the only one impressed by the physics on Alice's hair, especially for a game from 2011? Look at those strands of hair flying while you jump, dash, or fly through air vents." I remember people praising Lara's hair in the 2013 Tomb Raider reboot but she's got nothing on Alice's and uh, algorithm actually responded to that um, with an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about at the time, but uh, he says a footnote on the hair. It, re- it really is spectacular. So when you see Alice at the beginning of chapter five with a shaven head, it sends a visceral punch in my honest opinion, um, which actually thinking hmm. back, you know, that was a shocking moment, you know, it, to, to suddenly have this character who, has always floated through everything has always been so light and, and agile on her feet to suddenly be strapped up in that in that straight jacket with no hair whatsoever that that really and and the, the the camera cuts really close just in on her as a character and i think that that really did work in in that sense in terms of just suddenly going and now things are really bad you know it, it, rather than yeah. than sort of showing much of her immediate environment it was more about just saying to you like this, this, this character that you've got so used to just being so light and bubbly and everything's, everything's weird. Everything's dark, but she's doing okay to suddenly switch to, to this shaven headed gray, uh, strapped up, uh, vulnerable, uh, mental patient really, you know, that's when she really looks like a, a traditional Victorian mental patient. It really was quite kind of visceral. And I wonder whether that was intentional as well to, to uh, suddenly drag all of that beauty and, and detail away to to kind of remind you while you're playing the, this this crazy platformer that there is something serious going on in the background as well, I suppose. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you you kind of felt with that with that particular sequence where where she. I don't really know whether she was definitely in some kind of asylum, but I think I think it was more that she was thinking back on her time in the asylum from the previous game but but that whole sequence in being so stark and gray and 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 disturbing in a more realistic way that 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 sequence really stood out to me as well yeah i I, and you kind of you you maybe almost commented on it too but in addition to all those other ways that it feels so restrictive compared to what we were what we had seen like aesthetically it's 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 totally washed out and everything like you said but also the simple act of mechanically when you jump in this game and you and you hold down the jump button and she sort of like floats to her her next platform or or to to the ground or whatever and there's there's just a hint of like like dizziness to it that i really appreciated like right away that was uh that's something else i was going to say earlier like immediately when i was drawn into how well the hair was made and how cool her dresses were even before i'd seen that they're going to change uh there, there i also loved immediately like in the game's opening moments where it's basically giving you a tutorial how when you when you hold that jump button and she sort of just floats down and there's like i said there's just a bit of a dizziness to it and she feels like very free and like you said very light so then to go from that to she's like tucked into the corner shaven head clearly distraught uh, in her eyes that that part they actually did animate pretty well i thought with her massive with her massive eyes the way they are uh and then yeah i'll wrapped up in the in the straight jacket it uh it was it was definitely gripping in that moment and it's a very strong juxtaposition i guess between what we're used to with her and then seeing her in that moment yeah so so to talk about the the actual platforming in the game because 
uh, as you pointed out to me before we started this conversation, I hadn't I, in all of my sort of musings about what we might talk about. I'd almost completely forgotten about the platforming between the the horrendous story and and the all the kind of shooting mechanics and and the enemy design and everything else. But ultimately, this is, I guess, mainly a platformer. Certainly, as much of a platformer as as say something like uh, Jack and Daxter would have been back in the day. Um, and as you've just been saying, the actual animation of her jumping which is obviously crucial to a platformer but so many games i think get it wrong um really only mario has ever consistently to me kind of captured that joyous feeling of 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 both weightlessness in the jump but also kind of understanding the weight and and the distance and and always knowing where the jump's going to land um when you activate the jump it's something that i think a lot of platformers have struggled with over the years but but certainly alice is up there for me with with a really competent design in that in that kind of way and and the platforming always felt um fair as well to me in in most cases there are a few few kind of glitchy bits and janky bits as 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 were, were a lot of games at the time but but on the whole actually that was constantly a surprise to me was that you know you go into a less well-known uh platforming ip and i just assume before i go in okay this is going to be probably torturous and i'm going to fall off a lot and it's not going to be my fault and i'm going to be annoyed but uh, that didn't happen at all and and uh that was a refreshing change i, I, I don't know if you had uh, anything else to say about about the platforming as well there mark i i have to admit i i it sounds like i struggled more than you <laughs> i uh oh really <laughs> yeah i i think when i got it right i mean oh, well I, w- I was throughout the whole game. I was still trying to figure out whose fault it was, mine or the games, because there's, you know, you. Well, I first of all, I love that you can. It's you know, a lot of the platformers, it's it's a jump or it's a double jump. This game had like three or four jumps in mm-hmm. one go. Plus, you could float in between, um, which of course then gave the level designs like big, expansive gaps to clear, and and uh, I thought that was pretty cool and pretty different from a lot of other games where you know even something well i I guess i shouldn't compare it to super mario because uh or the 3d marios because i i don't play a lot of them i don't think i've played one since 64 actually but (laughs) you know i I feel like in a lot of platformers you're 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 jumping spot to spot within somewhat short distances and and they'll diversify Mm. that in other ways but in this one they basically had you like gliding like like batman a lot of Mm. the time but where it where it often failed me or where I often failed myself, like I said, I'm still not sure, is I would I would fall just short of a lot of jumps to the point where I was like, is this not what I'm supposed to be doing? But then I'd eventually get it right. And I think sometimes it was because the game had a, a certain manner by which you could like jump a bit higher if you held that initial jump more. You know, so a lot of a lot of platformers to double jump, you just you just mash a twice real quick. But this game, if you if you if you did it too quick, that that initial launch wasn't as high as you needed it to be, and so I I, I don't know. I guess I guess it was my fault for failing to do that sometimes, but I don't remember the game ever explicitly telling me that in the beginning too. So I, I maybe I just forgot occasionally throughout. But I did I did miss a few platforms. Uh, although when it, when it got it right or when I got it right, <laughs> I'll I'll share some blame at least. Uh, it did feel really good, <laughs> especially like you said the there was a a floatiness to it that that the game required you know some, sometimes platform especially 2d platformers can be too floaty and 
or not floaty enough. This game had <laughs> the floatiness levels in this game were superb, but <laughs> but I uh, and then yeah, combined with like the timing puzzles and things like that, some some of those seemed confusing to me. There was one in particular when you're running around the house of cards and like crossing the bridges of cards, and there's there's a timing slash platforming puzzle there that the way I ended up solving it, I think wasn't the way I was supposed to solve it, but it was the only way that was really working for me. So I thought, no, that's strange. Like, so that, that part, I won't take the blame for. I think that was the games. That was, that was weird, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure sometimes it was me, but I did struggle with the platforming uh, more than you. Certainly. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know which bit you mean. I think that was a bit where you had to, um, there were some invisible platforms and a closing door at the far end. Yeah. Is that yep. the one you're thinking of? Yeah. Yep. That, that, I mean, obviously that must've been something with the game then, because that stands out to me as well. I knew exactly what you meant. Yeah. Um, yeah there, to be fair, there were, there were a few times, but I guess, I guess for me, partly um, I've played quite a lot of platformers in recent times and maybe been frustrated more often than you have because I've, i've played quite a lot i guess might be part of it that that Mm. i appreciate that this got it mostly right because so many don't get it right at all but (laughs) um but yeah i think also to be honest i didn't hugely go after a lot of the collectibles and a lot of the collectibles were uh took you off onto a more difficult platforming section and and after a while i must admit because i wasn't too enamored with the larger plot of the story i wasn't that fussed about getting all of the collectibles so i um i certainly towards the final few chapters i i basically just just went through the main uh the main areas and and by that point i mean i suppose in the once you're actually in the queen's castle there's less platforming going on there anyway a lot of it's a lot of it's just kind of running around and and stomping on stuff uh and and that sort of thing so i guess by that point a lot of the frustration was probably gone but but yeah i i think I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I went back to it now with a with a fresher mind, uh, and uh, I, and without that kind of surprise element of oh wow, this isn't terrible. Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> I'd find more frustrations with the platforming. But certainly, uh, it just gave me a, a little bit of joy to much as as uh, when I first originally played Crackdown. Actually, uh, it gave me a lot of joy to just see a jump being done properly and and mm. to, and for it to feel powerful uh, and a, and a move in itself. You know, the game doesn't have to rely on an awful lot of extra gadgets or tools for her to get around the levels because as you said her jump is so uh versatile and 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 huge that that they can design interesting parts of the levels just around the fact that you can float for ages and and that means that you can you can traverse the the area in all sorts of interesting ways so uh yeah i I definitely appreciated that that quite a lot to move on uh to just the enemy design uh for for briefly for a second that 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 was a uh, the one of the low points for me uh particularly because so many of the enemies just seemed to be the same same over and over again and there wasn't wasn't necessarily a lot of variety particularly with those those ruin characters as you were saying earlier with the with the doll's face kind of aesthetic going on and it it seemed to me like a lazy choice because they were just amorphous black blobs and that seemed like something that you could get away with uh not necessarily having a lot of detail or texture going on there it can just be a big mass and and it can look janky because it's supposed to just be a big black blob anyway so i don't know that that kind of disappointed me again a bit but again on the other hand as i was saying with the visuals earlier on some of the enemies really stood out i mean the the 
uh, again, I'm talking about the Oriental level. I think I think that really <laughs> was probably the the highlight for me. But those insectile samurai were were fascinating to me. Like, sort of in, such an interesting design to be sort of on one hand uh, this sort of noble samurai looking thing, but the other hand this this creepy multi legged massive buzzing insect. It, it was really arresting, and and they were they were kind of challenging to to tackle as well they had a little bit of um interesting kind of defense strategies and attack strategies which which compared to the, the blobby stuff just they just seemed to just go at you and you just had to kind of whack at them until they went away and, and i guess that was slightly disappointing that that the black blob enemies were much more common than than the more interesting ones uh, i don't know how how you felt about about the the enemy interactions in the game and, mm. and how they were designed it, yeah it may sound counterintuitive because i agree about the black blobs uh the, the ruined enemies as you said uh found those to be pretty lackluster and they actually uh, they often reminded me of the doll's head on the metal spider legs from the first toy story if you remember that one yeah. one of, yeah, one of yeah, sid's definitely. one of sid's creations uh ha- having said that i i did find the final version of the dr bumby boss with the that same black goo pouring out of his mouth and his empty eye sockets i i found that to be really creepy and memorable and mm. I like that the same black goo is sort of the source of the corruption for, uh, in Wonderland, and I imagined it pouring out of his face to be an appropriate uh, origin, both like symbolically and literally. And mm. actually just thinking about like some of the imagery from this game, especially with the enemy design, it got me thinking about EA Access, their like subscription thing, because I was wondering basically why this game isn't available in it, because it seems like every time an EA game goes back compat, it ends up in EA Access. And I was wondering why Madness Returns hasn't done so yet. Like just the other day, like two days ago, Battlefield 1943 went back and pat. And within hours, it was added to their library on EA Access. Uh, and to my knowledge, this game is the only one that's back compat, published by EA, but not in EA Access. And I, th- I wonder, it, it could be a few different things. Initially, I was thinking it's just too off-brand for them. Like, a lot of these story beats and a lot of the just visuals of this game, it's just too grotesque and, and, and twisted for them nowadays. Like, EA, is it's it's not really who they are anymore. Now they're Star Wars and they're FIFA. And, I mean, well, they've always been all their sports, but they just seem more family-friendly nowadays. They don't really get too dark anymore like that. Uh, so it's kind of shocking now to think of EA ever publishing a game with this sort of subject matter and, and these villains and this aesthetic and it doesn't feel like something they would do today so i was thinking that this was sort of a dirty secret for their publishing history and maybe they don't <laughs> they don't want it in their access library but i've since found out that maybe that's not why and it's actually just that american mcgee's trying to buy back the rights to the ip or maybe he already has um so mm. he can move freely with the planned third game so it might actually have something to do with that i'm still not sure but if, mm. if it's not that, I would imagine it probably is directly related to just how, like, <laughs> to to put it ch- in a childish way, just how yucky this game is at times, yeah. you know, with the enemies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and even as we were saying earlier, thematically, you know, like, I mean, I think do it, EA, uh, they did, did they do Dead Space? I think they did, didn't they? They did, yeah. But again, but, not anymore. But, <laughs> yeah, true. But even then, you know, like, yeah, the enemy design might have been terrifying and there may have been some dark themes, but I don't, I still don't think even then it went quite as far as Dr. Bumby. No, um, yeah. because, I mean, you get you get away with it in horror more too, you know, like for the, this is a platformer and it's a creepy platformer, but people here, platformer and they, they, they have different 
imagery in their head, you know? So I, yeah, I think for dead space, that was kind of like, Hey, it's kind of like resident evil, but we're doing it says EA. But now this game is like, it's kind of like Mario, uh, but it's, it's yeah. actually not <laughs> at all. It's, it's, it's quite dark and, and, and terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think that might, that, that might bleed into why, why they've maybe been reluctant to put it on there but as we'll probably get on to when when we finally get to the potential sequel conversation i think as you're saying it might have something to do with the relationship between ea and, and american mcgee as well yeah about the, the the sound in this game as well i i thought it was pretty uniformly bad uh across across the board and again this is maybe maybe a 2011 kind of thing um but some of the music in this is is pretty uninspiring and just a little bit too short on the loop i really thought it, i was kind of going to lose it when i was playing this game probably far too late at night and and some of the music <laughs> loops in those levels which are very long levels uh they're just a tiny bit too short and they just come around a little bit too quickly um i had the main menu theme stuck in my head for ages and i just wanted to purge it from my memory uh, because it was just it uh, i guess a little bit too simplistic uh very uh maybe even early 2000s kind of uh platformer kind of music where it's just this kind of tinny repetitive stuff that doesn't really bring up any emotion but at the same time it just kind of grates a bit i i i, I don't know I, I am a little bit of a video game music snob i'll, I'll admit that straight <laughs> off the bat so so i may be overthinking it but i don't know if you felt anything in particular about the music mark yeah i, I mean like you i do very much appreciate uh original soundtracks for the games and I, I do always like seeing where we diverge and what, what we like and don't like. I actually did like the music largely in this game. Okay. Uh, I, I like the opening theme that plays over the credits, and there were pieces throughout that I enjoyed. Uh, I know at one point you called it... Uh, actually, I guess I should say I knew, because now I forget which term you used, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, oppre- oppressive? You call it oppressive, right? Yeah. Like That was in the early levels, and that that's when everything was very mechanical and... Mm. Um, there was like some of those lava pits and a lot of metal clanking. And I, so I, I thought, I thought it often worked uh, when they used it in different places and, and all the worlds had their own music and things like that. And yeah, I, it sounds like I appreciate it more than you. Um, I actually even added a couple tracks to a Spotify video game playlist, video game music playlist that I have. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I knew you were going to bring up how the loops were short. I was wondering if maybe that was intentional too. Like maybe, Maybe they wanted to drive you as as mad as she was, or uh, <laughs> yeah. And then I I looked up the composer. I did some cursory research just this morning, uh, mm. before we started to record here on on the composer. I 
he did his name's Jason Ty. He didn't have his own Wikipedia entry, although I read on the Alice Wikia page that he had composed 110 pieces for the game, but only 22 were released officially. I don't know if that means only 22 were used or if just 22 made it onto like some disc or physical version or whatever. But so again, furthering your 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 point about the repetition of it, uh, it sounds like they just didn't end up using a lot of what he made. But so maybe, maybe that's too bad. But yeah, I could I mean, I could see it thematically where <laughs> they consciously decided to to loop it a lot and, and on shorter loops than you would have liked. And, it could make sense. Maybe, maybe I'm just being too apologetic. I don't know, but I I also liked it. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, it might even be that if he recorded that much uh, music, maybe they were all short. You know, because he he made so much. Uh, maybe you know he didn't favor the longer kind of orchestral pieces mm-hmm. I'd expect from say I don't know something like Skyrim or something like that. More for like the little stings, and just because they ended up selecting so few in the end those two things just kind of clanged in my head uh the fact that you know he'd, he'd written a whole bunch of music but only a little bit of it had been used and then those things were quite short i guess i guess it just uh preyed on me a little bit but as <laughs> i as i mentioned you know I, I tend to go for the the big sweeping uh atmospheric things that you tend to get in big open world games so i suppose this the, the music was never really designed for my ears in the first place so i guess mm. that's fair enough um <laughs> just just to kind of uh, in parallel with that, the other frustration I had was just how long some of those levels were. I, I I felt like for the kind of platformer it was trying to be, it felt like the... the I mean, there's only five major chapters in this game, and then the, the last chapter is basically just a boss battle. They, but they went on a long time. I think, you know, I'd, I'd spend a couple of hours in each, in each level, and it mm-hmm. never really had the kind of pause points that I would expect a level of that length to have, and... and I guess thinking back even, you know, amongst most classic uh, just first person or third person adventure games that I've played that were kind of had a level structure. I, I can't really remember many that, that felt like they dragged on a little too much as much as Alice has done for me. So mm. that was a little bit frustrating and, and probably why the music started to drive me mad. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know if that was something that you, you noticed at all, Mark, that, with the length of the chapters. Yeah, I, I noticed when I I beat the first one earlier into the month because like I said, it was a this was a brand new playthrough for me, which hasn't that's actually not been the norm for the games that keep getting voted in. Usually, the replays for me, um, I just happen to have played a lot mm-hmm. of like the type of games that we're focusing on. So a lot of them don't <laughs> come new newly to me, but this one did. So I dove right into it, and uh, I hadn't popped that first chapter achievement in a while. I was like, oh, I wonder how long this is gonna be. And then yeah, each each chapter takes two hours, sometimes more. Maybe one mm-hmm. or two of them are shorter than that, but yeah, they go on for quite a while and. So after the first chapter, I'm like, I wonder if they're all going to be like that. And it turns out they are, you know, <laughs> and it was mostly fine with me. But I did I did think maybe each of them could have been shortened by like half hour or so. And we wouldn't have lost much. You know, we would have, would have lost a few platforming sections and a few combat sections in each level. But I think it the game might have been better for it. Maybe overstays its welcome just a little bit. Uh, if it's a 14 hour game, maybe 10 or 12 hour game would have would have done even better in this in this regard. I don't the th- the thing that more so um, and actually probably most of all annoyed me with this game because I think we've both been pretty positive on it so far. You know we've mm. had we've had some issues throughout, but for the most part we've come away positive. Uh, the thing that really uh, was grating to me was if you die, if if Alice dies 
platforming, you pretty much restart exactly where you were standing. Mm. If you died in combat, it could send you back quite a distance, and that that was always annoying to me. Um, mm. I I played on normal, so I didn't run into too much trouble. I I would never want to play it on hard though, because to die often in combat would I don't know if you noticed, but it. I th- did, you played on easy, right? Didn't you? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so maybe no, that's fine. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't run into a lot of combat troubles, but it was just weird to the difference between dying in the platforming sections and dying in the combat sections because yeah. one one really punished you and would send you back. Like if if you say you came into a combat moment, killed off six or eight enemies, then you fought some sort of boss while other enemies were swarming around him. If you died in that section, you don't get to restart in what could have been considered like wave two of that scenario. You know, you'd go mm-hmm. back to the very beginning. And that was that was always uh, really annoying for me. Luckily, it wasn't too difficult a game, but a couple times that happened. I think I probably had to do the boss maybe three times total or four so especially when you get to the end of a game I'm always like oh, i just want to see the end of it i'm, I'm right here and but yeah. that same issue was cropping up that was already annoying me for a dozen hours previously so that was that part was really grating to me but uh the length of each level themselves it wasn't, wasn't so bad but just having to restart sometimes like that <laughs> yeah I, I i did come across that a few times even on easy um to be honest after that alien isolation playthrough i did when I first came on the podcast, I've not really bothered too much with the harder, giving myself too hard a challenge because that, that really <laughs> took it out of me. But um, but no, I, I, I did. Uh, I mean, again, even now, third person adventures still struggle with stuff like uh, with like aiming uh, if you're using a, a, a weapon, a, a ranged weapon. Um, and and Alice suffers a little bit from that when you're in combat and, and to have that compounded by you know something that if if you mess up a bit of the combat and you don't entirely feel like it's your fault because something's gone a little bit janky to 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 then be sent back so far is is very galling and 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 probably partly why I ended up playing it on easy anyway I, I tend to start things on normal and if I if I'm playing it at speed as I, as I was with with this game because I had a few other things going on this month um if I find that it's just it's just getting too annoying and bothersome and i can't complete it quickly then i, I will knock it down um mm-hmm. which is probably not necessarily the best way to play everything but but in this <laughs> case i don't i don't feel like i necessarily lost a hell of a lot because the combat never really felt like the focus of the game um i think chewy in the in the forum said you know that that the, both the platforming and the combat were 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 janky in a lot of places and and maybe less favorable than he remembered when he first played the game but but that was never the point, you know, for, for him especially. It was, it was about immersing in, in Wonderland and in this strange story and meeting these strange characters. And, and I think I think that's a fair point, you know. Uh, it's annoying that, you know, especially on, on even normal, let alone hard modes, that, that the game doesn't let you kind of uh, breeze through those combat sequences <laughs> very quickly. But I guess it's forgivable that they were a little bit janky and, and not so great all the time because that wasn't really necessarily the focus of the game um it's a, it's a difficult one i think we've spoken about it before on on other on other games you know how much can a developer necessarily get away with um some of the particularly the combat in a game not being so great if if you kind of take it as read from from the kind of aesthetic of the game or the intention of the game that that, that wasn't really their focus because on the one hand you can mm. say okay it's not the focus they don't don't focus on it but then on the other hand they've put it in the game so right yeah i remember that from the fable 2 talk 
exactly yeah yeah so it's it's you know it's it's how much can you kind of get away with with uh doing janky combat just because you feel like a game has to have combat in um so we've got to put some in there but but it's not really our focus so yeah i mean i i found that the the combat on the whole was okay um i thought the the the, the weapons were were interesting they the the hobby horse in particular i quite liked how much weight that had it really felt like a big Hmm. hammer you know yeah Um, yeah it did that that was that was okay but i did find that the um i don't know the, the range weapons maybe weren't quite so um janky as maybe i'm used to from some games around around that era but uh, at the same time i still did have a lot of times when i was struggling to like kind of wrestle the the reticle onto the right enemy um and and get yeah. a shot off that i was expecting to get so as i suppose that thinking back now it did, it probably did bother me more than the the i'd first written down in my notes for this podcast yeah swap swapping but swapping among the different enemies that that was a bit problematic i thought too but in general i i liked that different enemies required different strategies and Mm. for a while the game keeps throwing like every chapter would give you give you a new weapon and by the end of it i i had Mm. fully upgraded my Vorpal Blade, her, her butcher's knife there, reimagined vor- Vorpal Blade. Mm. But by the end of the game, I, I wasn't really using the Vorpal Blade much anymore. I, I thought, mm. uh, you know, I, I used it when I needed to because, like I said, some enemies required different approaches. But I, f- I initially upgraded the Pepper Cannon or whatever it was called first, mm-hmm. and I, I thought that was really effective. And I liked how the game gave you the feedback of, you know, the, your, your attacks aren't doing damage because you're getting these, like, white wave marks coming off them you know versus yeah. when, when it was the red ones and now you know that you're you're hitting them the way you intend to and uh i thought there was a lot of good visual feedback in that way and mm. or then you know if the big if the big ruin enemies threw those fireballs at you could bounce them off your umbrella and mm-hmm. there, uh, there was there was more strategy in the combat than i expected especially early on you think it's just going to be kind of a hack and slash but as the game mm. rewards you with more and more stuff it 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 was it was a bigger deal to me than I thought. I, I would actually give the combat more credit and and probably more focus than you would too. I would you said it maybe isn't the focus, but I would consider it one of the one of the pillars. You know, I, I think platforming is like the one A to to combat being the one B. So it, hmm. if that's what you meant, then yeah, sure, it's not the focus, but it was still a big enough part of the experience for me that it needed to do it well. And I I thought it mostly did, although like you said, some combat and targeting problems were were in there but i think that was a 2011 problem <laughs> yeah and and just to to circle back to to your point about about the um the fact that you were respawning so far back away from uh from the combat just i'm just been reminiscing back in my mind about things like uh uh like platformers way back in the n64 days doing that to me and i think that's that's always been a hallmark as well you know particularly bosses um you know they they're these multi-stage surprisingly uh, difficult yeah. things for for a child's <laughs> for what at the time was more of a child's toy you know uh they were, they were always notoriously difficult and and there were plenty of games that i threw threw away in frustration even though <laughs> i was right up to the final boss because i just didn't want to go through all that again uh just because the camera went weird for a second you know it's just it's just one of those things i think that even up until 2011 was a a pretty common hallmark and even now i mean i had that problem with super lucky's tale which is the, oh, the yeah. recent xbox <laughs> game uh very traditional in that sense where it would frustrate me very very much um in in that kind of aspect particularly with the final bosses and stuff so i don't know it's almost 
it's almost a calling card for for a lot of platformers <laughs> now that you've you've got to really annoy your player um, with with some of the bosses and how far back you have to go if you make a slight mistake. But no, that's, yeah, I, that's just the way it is. I, yeah, I probably said it on a few different shows. Probably on the Dark Siders one um, before you joined us on the audio show here, but and maybe some others throughout. I typically don't care much for boss battles, so. This this one you know this one really only had the one main boss to, unless I'm misremembering the other ones kind of had like boss sections but it was more so just like piling on a whole bunch of enemies at once do I am I remembering that correctly I don't remember any other like because mm. you when I think of boss battles I think of like here's an enemy that you're only gonna see in this one scene which is you know in Alice mm-hmm. Doctor Bumby I don't remember any other moments like that in Alice but I could be misremembering but I typically don't like them so I was fine with that. Nice. <laughs> Just just a, a very brief uh, chat as well about the collectibles in the game. There's, a, there's quite a lot of them. It's a platformer. There's bound to be them. Uh, I, as I said earlier, I I found the music that grating and the the level the level length so long that it wasn't I wasn't enjoying the game as a whole. But I very early on just said to myself, I'm not going to try and get all of these collectibles. I'm not even really going to deviate from the path much at all because the, the actual the actual collectibles themselves weren't that interesting. I think the memory pickups reminded me of uh, Bioshock's audio diaries, and they yeah. kind of fleshed out the 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 characters, um, particularly back in in Victorian London, um, a bit more, which was nice. But actually, the majority of those seemed to be on the main path anyway. There weren't a huge amount of times that I felt like I'd missed a, a big chunk of those memory pickups by not kind of going off the beaten path. But the other pickups were just kind of, I mean, teeth were just like a kind of currency and, and um, the bottles, I think, unlocked uh, like concept art and stuff in the in the menu. It oh, just did seemed they? a okay. little bit, yeah. yeah, it just seemed a bit like uh, a bit throwaway, a very kind of old fashioned platforming collectibles where I, I even as a young kid, I never really felt the need to to go and chase all those down if they weren't going to give me kind of any kind of reward. Uh, did you? kind of go after an awful lot of the collectibles or i i think more than you uh i i did like collecting mm. the teeth to ensure i could upgrade my stuff because i thought the upgrades they really f- felt like they made a big difference in combat for me i really every time i upgrade something else it was nice to to witness how much easier it was to use that weapon the next time especially the what was it the teapot bomb throwing thing it's like the last weapon you mm. get i think it initially you can only fire two before like two projectiles before it has to like recharge it's like overheated but if you upgrade it quite a bit you can eventually get to like four i think and so and all the weapons sort of did that so certainly i ran around collecting as much teeth as i could um but to get every collectible in this game like it like is the case with so many games you have to either scour every inch of every area which really hurts the pacing of a game for me or do what might is probably even worse for me which is use a guide i really really hate using guides with games i i only do it if i if i have to for some reason it's it's just such a it's such a pacing problem for me i don't like to pause and say okay the next collectible is here when i get to this area i'll pause and see where it is and then just rinse and repeat that that whole process that's that's never how i like to play games and if i really like a game after i've played it a few times i might go back and do a collectibles run but mm-hmm. certainly not on my first playthrough will i ever do a collectibles thing like that unless for for some reason i can't foresee right now in the sentence i, I would need to but Al- alice was not going to be that game for me because uh 
that's just not how I wanted to take in this game. Had I done it that way, I probably would have come out much more sour on this yeah. whole experience. So, <laughs> yeah, and um, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I use. I guess there was a period when I maybe when I first turned up on True Achievements, actually, where I, I quite heavily got into to grabbing all the collectibles in the game because I wanted to get every achievement on the list and stuff. But even then, I was always appreciative of a game that had collectibles but didn't make me get them all for an achievement. Yeah. Um, just thinking back to, I think the first. Well, the first walkthrough I wrote, I wrote for for True Achievements was uh, Far Cry Primal, which had tons of collectibles all over the place. But you only had to get well, only had to get eighty of them, but there were hundreds <laughs> of them. So, um, so you know that gets a free pass. But I'm definitely in the same boat. You know, if it's if it's the kind of game where I'm really going to have to follow a guide to to get everything, then that does kind of break the immersion for me. And as you said, especially on a first playthrough, you know, it's 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 just a little bit too much. So that was never going to happen with Alice, um, particularly as I said, because the the music was driving me crazy anyway. Uh, <laughs> spending that time trying to get across a tricky invisible platform to shoot some pepper at a snout or something just yeah <laughs> wasn't something that i was interested in spending any amount of time doing and, and like i said it wasn't that i wasn't enjoying the game it's just that for me the game was about getting through getting through the the kind of main path of the level which was interesting enough on its own and and seeing where on earth this weird story was going to go so um you know i got i got what i needed out of that and, and didn't really need to see any more um before we uh, move on to to stats, um, uh, I, I don't know if you want to summarise at all, Mark, but I was just going to use uh, Chewy on Ice in the forum to kind of uh, to summarise some of the thoughts that I'd I'd had um, about the game because I think he kind of comes at it from a similar direction as me. Um, although he played the game, he played the original PC game uh, back in the day, and I think he'd already played Alice Madness Returns before this month as well, but. Um, just a couple of things he said said kind of stood out to me, which was um, the design and atmosphere support the story very well with ingenious and varied settings, level weapon and enemy design. It's a great example of a design-led game where the look and feel of the game come first, supported by the story and characters. Mechanics and, and technical performance are secondary but entirely functional and definitely a step up from the predecessor. Oh, yeah. Ultimately, though, I feel like those elements are and probably should be secondary to making the player feel like they're exploring a fully realized and wholly unsettling world inside a young damaged mind and yeah i think uh, you know he's probably kinder to the game than than perhaps i've been but i think my overall feeling is is similar to that i think that it's uh it's a very interesting game that's been uh it, it's very meticulous in its in its design which is surprising um for for what i was expecting i suppose you know i was expecting a pretty generic run-of-the-mill uh platforming experience with just some dark themes but but it, it can get quite meticulous as we've mentioned with the with the art design and the the physicality of the spaces and and how much effort was put into the um into the platforming and the jumping and as you've even as you've just said mark you know from from your perspective even the combat was quite um you know, it was it was tight where it needed to be, and it was it was complex and and interesting where it needed to be in terms of how you uh, attacked each enemy. And and I suppose the more I think back on it now, um, having not played it since the beginning of this month, the more I kind of I feel quite warmly towards it as a as a curious um, offshoot of of gaming from around that time where you've got a lot of the a lot of the jank and a lot of the hallmarks of of gaming from around that time but then also a lot of this just sort of unique uniquely well thought out and and uh occasionally beautifully designed 
uh, environments and, and gameplay and, and and a story that you're not going to forget anytime soon because it's really, <laughs> really dark. Um, so yeah, I think overall I feel, I feel, I feel pretty good about it. I, th- I think it's, it's among my favorites that we've, that we've explored certainly as a, as a game, um, as you said, Mark, that, that I've never had anything to do with before to, to jump into it kind of blindly like this. It's, it's been a, it's been a good experience. Hmm. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't want to, um, repeat too much i i think we're mostly on the same page and where where we've diverged we've addressed it like on music and some of the platforming maybe but like i said maybe the platforming was my own problem but yeah it was <laughs> i found it interesting at the beginning of the month when well or i guess even last month when it or however long ago it was now when it <laughs> when it won the poll at all you know i uh i think kevin didn't give it much of a chance i i thought it had a decent chance just because it came in second previously you know so yeah it, it kind of looked to me like the sort of game that a lot of people had either started uh but wanted to go back to or they you know they bought it on sale and hadn't touched it yet or maybe you know some people even vote from the point of this game's really good you should all play it so i'm going to vote for it you know and so it seems to have its followers and I, I came away from it totally seeing why and i know we're about to touch on the sequel prequel mm. future talks and i i uh i would you know in to, not to summarize the talk we're about to have but i, I would certainly welcome that <laughs> yeah well i mean let's let's move on to that i mean it's so a third game has always been uh on the cards and it, it's never really gone away it's not like uh maybe a duke nukem forever where it just kind of disappears for ages it's it's always kind of been hanging around as a, as a possibility and uh algorithm uh, as i said earlier kind of came to the rescue with with his uh wealth of information about <laughs> yeah he's a bottomless well <laughs> yeah he's just involved he's, he seems directly involved in in, in <laughs> kickstarters for every game that we've covered and, yeah. and and just just gets everything um he's he's better on this than than even the official wiki i was uh having done a bit of research myself but um so as I said earlier, he so originally American McGee envisioned a trilogy, and the third game was going to be set after Madness Returns, and it was going to, um, as I said, be this kind of uh, triumphant hero returns kind of thing, where Alice is now uh, kind of fully in control of her psyche, and it's it's this mashup of London and of Wonderland, and she's going to use um, use her power um from wonderland to essentially clean up victorian london which as we know from the end of mass returns needs a hell of a lot of cleaning up apparently <laughs> um particularly around where dr bumby lives but um but since then um the concepts changed quite a lot so from my research i know that american mcgee had quite a uh fractious relationship with ea um probably as we've mentioned earlier ea is is not necessarily a company you would expect to publish a game like this um, and I can only imagine that that maybe at some point after 2011 they wondered what on earth they got themselves into, um, and and maybe started to regret some of the uh, design decisions that they were allowing to go through. And I can only imagine that American McGee equally was probably, um, you know, this is around the time when EA, uh, well, a bit later than this, EA would acquire Bioware and 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 apparently allegedly make some some. Uh, kind of foist themselves into the design process sometimes in terms of uh you know sanitization or in terms of uh pushing development along too fast or whatever it is that ea getting accused of these days who knows yeah. it's, it's a changing story all the time but it, it suffice to say it seems likely 
for for a developer like American McGee to have such an unbridled imagination to to have probably found some restrictions with working with EA. So as things stand, um, it doesn't. Well, I mean, the IP is still owned by EA, and I don't think American McGee has outright said that he wouldn't work with EA on on a sequel. But the the third game has has changed a lot, um, and certainly the the idea originally that there was going to be this this sequel that directly led on from Madness Return seems to have fallen by the wayside and at the moment American McGee's working on uh, a kind of prequel so Alice Asylum is is the name at the moment and um, that's being funded through Kickstarter um, although again we still don't know whether EA would eventually publish it or whether American would manage to wrest the IP off them at some point but hmm. how, um, I'm confused how can you how can he be actively working on a on a crowdfunded game that seems to exist in the same IP umbrella as as the IP which he does not own yet, you know. But, I'm not really sure. I mean, I suppose until it becomes a, and so I suppose until it becomes a, it's gonna be like Nintendo, where they they let them finish the project and they're like, yeah, this can't exist. Actually, shut it down. It's like, but I just did it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's part of the problem is that there's a, there's clearly a certain point when a product becomes a product uh, from a legal point of view that that maybe while he's just kind of uh, conceptualizing, like there's not really any, maybe there's not necessarily any way to shut that down because I suppose because he is ultimately he's working with um, uh, an intellectual property that originally was you know the the original source of Alice in Wonderland is is out of copyright by now so mm-hmm. i think anyone i believe anyone can really yeah, uh, that's, do what yeah, they it want must with be it. public domain yeah so there's probably a lot of murky like dodging the bullet going on i would imagine um mm. and it also seems like maybe ea would be on board with publishing it eventually um under their ea originals i could see it you know they have that new umbrella now yeah, exactly, and things like Faye, the recently the the originals game, you know, it wasn't it wasn't anywhere near as dark as this, but but it, some of those games certainly uh, deal with interesting themes. Let's put it that way. Uh, I know you're a big <laughs> fan of Unravel as well, and that that oh, yeah. deals in its own way with with mental illnesses. So who knows? Maybe maybe they will publish it. But I think the thing for me is that this this new uh, direction for the third game with Alice Asylum is that it's going to be potentially a a, a mid well a prequel uh so it's going to be it's going to take up the time between the end of the alice through the looking glass book by lewis carroll and but before the uh beginning of alice madness returns um where alice has already been in the asylum for 10 years so it's going to cover potentially those 10 years in um in rutledge asylum uh where she was mostly catatonic um but also potentially have some callbacks to Wonderland before it got any kind of um, any kind of disruption from her broken psyche. So the potential there would be for um, Wonderland to be presented a little bit more traditionally, maybe, or, or certainly more uh, positively. And, and some of the concept art seem to show things like the Cheshire Cat being slightly more furry and, and fleshed out and, and uh, the Hatter's uh, domain being uh, more kind of manic rather than, than dark and uh depressing um so i think it's it's interesting I, I think on the whole i would be disappointed to not see how this trilogy actually plays out although I yeah haven't, admittedly i haven't played the first one I'd, I'd be disappointed to not see where that part was going um but at the same time some of my favorite parts of this game visually have been 
as I said earlier, the less dark part. So the idea of maybe them flashing back to a Wonderland that was still crazy in its own way, but not this kind of like in this dark and depressing way, maybe just a little bit more sort of manic and flighty and, and, and fun and, and, uh, you know, lighthearted in, in, in some ways, but starting to twist in others. That sounds like a world that I might want to visit. So, uh, I think either way I would be, definitely up for playing the sequel now that i've now that I've, I've kind of got into the world of alice it's 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 engaging enough that i want to see where it goes but i think i would prefer it to to kind of finish off what it started um with alice madness returns over over kind of going on an offshoot into some prequel i don't know mm. how you feel about it mark yeah you you basically just took the words out of my mouth i, <laughs> I do that a lot <laughs> i didn't know the whole backstory to why it's now a prequel like that now uh i when i i had heard that it was a prequel from from algorithm and i was like hmm not really sure why they would go in that direction they kind of feel like you know seeing this through to the end was the better idea but having said that i would whatever it ends up being hopefully it ends up being something because i i do want something else to exist in this universe uh i'm going to play it either way i I, I worry a little bit about, uh, I call it kind of like the, the Mass Effect problem, because <laughs> in the original Mass Effect trilogy, there's, you know, the, the greatest threat the world has ever seen, uh, really the universe has ever seen, which is like the Reapers, you know, so that whole trilogy is about taking down the Reapers, and really nothing could ever be bigger and badder than the Reapers, and mm. then they go off and do Andromeda, and suddenly we're in this other world where oh, but here's these other bad guys over here. And it's like, but we already saw the worst that this universe has to offer. Mm-hmm. Like, no, nothing is going to compare, you know? So, and I guess because they make Dr. Bumby so big and terrible, it's hard for me to see where we could grow attached to whatever struggles Alice has to overcome in this game, in a prequel game, because it's like, or I, oh, I guess in that way, maybe even the sequel has that problem too. But <laughs> I guess I felt like the sequel had had an arc that it was working on. So I, maybe I trust mm. whatever that would have been next. But whereas a prequel, like, she, you know, chronologically, she was worse off where we just saw her than where she, where we would see her in Asylum. I think, mm. I don't know. Then again, she was catatonic. So who knows? But <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, I worry that the threat won't seem significant enough. And that's, no. that's a huge problem I had with Mass Effect Andromeda. And I... I don't want to have it again here, but then again, I can kind of overlook the story beats anyways. Like I'm sure it would look gorgeous. I, I would love, I would really love, and I would replay a remastering of Madness of Terrans. I think some of these environments, well, really all of the environments would just look so much better if we could get them uh, up <laughs> That would look great. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, c- certainly I'm, whatever it ends up being, if anything, I'm, I'll play it. I think maybe the sequel would have been a, a better idea but i'm i'm open to waiting and seeing <laughs> yeah i don't know i think it's just for me it's it's the idea of that original concept that she would kind of take her powers into this mashup of the two worlds and and maybe right some societal wrongs in victorian london like to me that as a modern game you know potentially like a, a more open world um platformer that that where she was actually kind of taking the fight to to the bad guys of of society and and you know who knows maybe even like raising some kind of army from wonderland of these kind of crazy like Hmm. 
kind of insane things that 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 would terrify people and and kind of using them as a force for good. I, I, it's it would be a nice rounding off of of how dark the 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 previous game took us. You know, it was really this was an Empire Strikes Back that needs a Return of the Jedi. I think you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 a shame. Um. But who knows? I mean, if the the, the the narrative's changed once already with with how the sequel's going to go if it ever goes and and who knows maybe it will change again and and there's no reason if asylum was a successful spin-off that you know if it was particularly successful maybe ea would say okay you can make that make the actual sequel that you always wanted to make and mm. we'll remaster alice 1 and alice 2 and everyone will be happy and we'll get <laughs> everything in glorious 4k and <laughs> someone can if someone can arrange that that would be lovely but um but <laughs> might be a pipe dream for now but yeah i think it, it as you said either way it's uh it, it would be something i'd be very interested in picking up so so hopefully that that does happen and yeah if people want to keep track of it it's it's uh it's an ongoing kickstarter apparently according to, to algorithm it's um i think it's it's something that's I sorry. I thought at one point he mentioned Patreon. Is it a Patreon thing or is it a Kickstarter thing? I think maybe American McGee has a Patreon. Yeah, I think what it is is that the project in general has a Patreon, and there's a plan to start a Kickstarter uh, at the end of this year um, to actually kind of properly kick it off. So, so essentially, uh, algorithms paying uh, American McGee uh, directly at the moment <laughs> <laughs> with his two dollars a month, which is fine. Uh, but, but at some point, it's supposed yeah. to become a, a proper project to, with a with a kind of deadline, as these things do on Kickstarter. So it'll cover the uh, it'll cover the legal fees when EA comes after him. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is exactly true. Um, and we we know how these things tend to go on Kickstarter. But I guess I, what I would say is, if you want to know more, I would talk to Algorithm. <laughs> um, he he knows what it's about. Um, so yeah, keep keep an eye out for for his updates. I'm sure he'll he'll provide them if you need them. But um, uh, so let's uh, let's move on to stats as as we always do. So uh, entire community played this game with us for the month, um, and we got quite a few people involved. So we had 351 uh, people unlock at least one achievement in the month, uh, which included 158 people starting the game and 30 completing it, which is a fair old completion. I think that includes the DLC. So as we were saying, the uh, yeah, it's all one list now. So hmm. yeah, so that's that's quite a lot of work to have. Uh, got through that that old old game <laughs> <laughs> that was attached to this game so uh well done to those 30 people that managed it in the month um so overall that was 3781 achievements earned for uh 62000 gamer score which works out to 105000 true achievement score so the fair old ratio on that as well um so quite a lot of ta score earned uh during the month and for those who haven't worked out already ta score is the proprietary system that our true achievement himself rich stone invented to uh make gamer score a little fairer for uh everyone to work out exactly how much better they are than their peers <laughs> which is always good to know um uh it's not good for me to know i'm, I'm doing terrible anyway comparing your your life to others is not just for instagram anymore <laughs> now you can do it on ta <laughs> no exactly yeah exactly ta is taking that over you, you go in thinking oh this is going to be great I'm, i know i'm pretty good at this and you can just see everyone else's posts and just feel a bit sad but but anyway uh i i did okay i, I got 24 achievements this month for 325 game score and 483 to achievement um 
I gotta admit, the most of that was just, as I said, just bombing through the main game, and and I collected enough teeth throughout my experience to end up fully upgrading all the weapons. So uh, it was fairly generous in mm. that respect. Um, you know, the nearly twenty five achievements just just for kind of running through it was was not so bad in the end. I can't see myself going back, as I said, to to wrap that up though, because as much as I enjoyed it, it's not not the kind of game that I really want to spend ages mm. trying to track everything down in. But how did you do, Mark? Yeah, well, I I was before I say how much gamer score did you get? Because I got twenty six achievements, but for three seventy five, did you get fewer achievements, but for more gamer score, or was that was yours lower? I got three hundred and twenty five. Oh, okay, okay. So I I thought you'd said something in the four hundred. So, I was yeah. like, oh, we almost got the same achievements, but it must have been a different different set for each of us. So yeah, I I did just two better than you, but uh, one of them was playing the first chapter. Well, one of them was playing on normal. That one gave an additional one, and the other one, ah, right. maybe if 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 the rest are identical, the other one, the only other one that was different, maybe was that I played the first chapter of the original game. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you couldn't slog through the first mm. chapter. But so we, we probably. I don't even remember. I, I have such <laughs> terrible memories of, of that experience. I don't remember whether I got an achievement or not. After that, yes, we might we might have pretty much walked the same path through through most of the game, which I guess in terms yeah. of opinion we sort of did too, but we diverged in a few places but yeah we certainly both liked it i'm definitely in for whatever's next absolutely well hopefully it happens (laughs) um but yeah so uh as we bid farewell to wonderland it's time to remind everyone that you can download this podcast from wherever you listen to them uh please do leave us a rating and a review especially on Apple Podcasts, where it can really make a difference, as you've probably heard on every podcast you've ever heard, <laughs> listen to listen to plenty of them. Um, but also, please venture over to our forums on trueachievements.com, and uh, if you go over to the TA Playlist Hub, you can participate in future playlist discussions, uh, and especially if you have ideas for games that you think we should cover in a future poll, we have a dedicated thread over there where you can suggest away anything uh, anything you think is worth talking about. Um, as we've discovered in previous months recently, it's not limited to extremely story-heavy games. Uh, we'll cover something like Sea of Thieves. <laughs> <laughs> so anything really that you think might be worth having a, a good chat about, we'll, we'll consider and put on our list. Uh, keep an eye out as well for your chance to vote on the next game you want to play as well uh, polls tend to go up about the middle of each month um, and if you keep an eye on Mark's Twitter feed he normally uh, gives some kind of cryptic clue just before he leaves the poll uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. that, that no one gets so that's uh, <laughs> worth keeping an eye out for <laughs> Yeah, we never we never plug our Twitter in here, but maybe people would like us less if they started seeing our tweets. So we'll just keep those hidden, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to find us, then then just do do your homework. You'll, you'll work it out. <laughs> um, so, uh, speaking of polls, we've just called time on voting for June's playlist game, where we will be playing our second re- remedy game. Actually, for TA playlist, we're going to be playing the Microsoft exclusive Quantum Break. And I think, Mark, you're pretty excited about this, I would have thought, uh, especially since we're potentially quite close to announcement for Remedy's next project. So, uh, so yeah, it's quite exciting time to be a Remedy fan. Yeah, they've, on that note, they've confirmed that their new game will be revealed at E3 in a couple of weeks, two, two weeks from recording today, basically. Um, I'm actually going to E3, I'm getting to demo it. So in the same month that nice. I'm doing that, we're getting to... Uh, we're getting to go through their their other big Xbox exclusive. The first one being Alan Wake back in the day. This new one coming out will be multi-platform, so they're not really that second-party close. Well, I mean, they might still be close knit. Who knows? We'll know. We'll know depending on which 
which stage the game's revealed on <laughs> at E3, if, if they're still close with Xbox or not. But uh, yeah, to, to the point of Quantum Break, which is really the focus here, uh, yeah, I played it and reviewed it. I'm excited to go back. I've only played it the once, I think. Um, but it's definitely ripe for for this sort of discussion with with the whole with the forums and with the show because especially with that weird incorporation of live action episodes in between video game mm-hmm. mission slash chapter levels or whatever uh, it's it's unique in that way and I think it's like Alice it's a I don't know if you can call it a relic it's only two years old but it's definitely representative of its time <laughs> you know it's it's very much yeah. from the Don Matrick tree of Xbox futurism I. I think it was here and gone in a flash, but I'm, I'm excited to talk about it for a bunch of reasons. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I I wasn't a host on on the show when we played Alan Wake, uh, although I did did try and play it at the time, uh, and I'll go into why I didn't end up finishing it probably next month. But um, yeah, I'm gonna grill you on that briefly in the next show. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but I never played Quantum Break uh, for my sins. I it was always just slightly too expensive. I I feel bad for saying that, but it's actually <laughs> dropped quite a lot in price in in secondhand stores in the UK. So so it's not such a big hit for my wallet to play it for next month. But if I don't know if you can stand to wait until Microsoft's presser at E3, but They've already teased that they're going to announce many more uh, Game Pass games. I, I kind of feel like Quantum Break is is due to Game Pass soon, so maybe they'll like they'll be like, oh, and all these games are now in Game Pass starting today. Okay. You know how they do that on the stage. So uh, I don't know if you can stand to wait till June 11th or so before you start it. Maybe that won't give you enough time to play it all. But I I've I've got a, a suspicion that it's going to be in Game Pass soon. I, I mean, why not put all your exclusives in Game Pass? It, I, don't, I don't know why they haven't done that already, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, but, that would make sense. Well, I mean, that's a good PSA for listeners as well to maybe if they can hold off. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, in general, I I I like a good time time warping, time traveling story. Although I have no idea really what Quantum Break's about, so it's going to be interesting to, for me to see how it plays out. I've, I've really been quite in the dark about this one, um, and I think hopefully we should be able to coax Kevin out of hibernation for the next episode as well. So. Uh, it'd be good to get him back on board again. I know that he's already played through Quantum mm-hmm. Break. Yeah, so. I think he actually likes that one too. We'll see if he still likes it. Yeah, we'll get his explains it all as well to uh, to condense the the story down <laughs> for us. But that's yeah, that one's going to be tough. Yeah, it probably will be. Yeah, I mean it's uh, time travel. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a little bit tricky, but somehow Kevin always manages to reduce it down to very very <laughs> basic A to B steps. <laughs> so I'm sure he'll uh, I'm sure he'll work it out. <laughs> But um, until then, uh, it just remains for me to thank Mark for coming along again this month and uh, to thank all of you for listening. And we'll see you in the forums next month. Bye. Bye. Bye.